<laughs> Why is that? My, um, my internet's unstable, apparently. So you're a penis. You're unstable. <laughs> Emotionally well, unstable for that second, tragic um, statement. The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Drop Back Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Costanzo, and I'm joined, as ever, down the line by Sam Lewis. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Matthew Burns Peak. What up, Joey? And Stan Wilson. Hello, Joe. How are we doing, lads? How are we all feeling? Doing grand, mate. Doing grand. I think Matt's doing the best. Cardinals win on Monday Night Football. Nice cheeky Cardinals win against someone they had all rights to win against. Lovely. Oh, Lovely. Who saw that coming? <laughs> no, not, definitely not me. Another thing a lot of people didn't see coming is Tua getting the starting position <laughs> after his little get, got in a bit of action last week against the Jets for, what was it, one drive right at the end of the game. Converted a third down. I think he converted two passes. How would you like that 100% completion rate, guys? <laughs> How about it? And Matt has behaved exactly how I thought he would behave. <laughs> Love to see it. Matt, do you want to take us away with your opinion on Tua getting the starting role? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I do actually genuinely, aside from being tremendously excited, I did think it was a strange decision. Um, mm-hmm. Simply because I've, I've kind of felt like, and you know, we spoke to, to Nat Coombs about it the other week, the plan all along being for the Dolphins to sort of sit to her for as much for as long as they possibly could so it was a kind of a bit random just being like hey we're, we're dick in the jets do you want to come in and throw a couple of passes and then the next day being like he's the starter that's what I, I i thought because they were like it's not like he got like a whole quarter's worth of action we literally saw him in there for two pass attempts and now yeah. we're like yeah i think the issue being gone slew now, I was going to say, how much of it do you think is down to that bye week being moved up? Because a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about how they had a nice, easy bunch of games with a bye week built in. Yeah. I think giving him a week with all the starter reps mm. is probably the best way to ease him in. Yeah, it's a um, logical uh, way to time things. And especially... I don't know if it's also because, sorry, Stan, that he, he's now shown that he's healthy. I don't know, to the medical stuff, rather than coming in for a game, I don't think that showed anything one way or the other. Yeah, it's the logical way to do things, and so he's going to have the, he's going to have his bye week to get the rocks with the starters. Essentially, two full weeks of practice before he gets to face the Rams at Hard Rock Stadium again. But are they is announcing it this early the correct way? Because like he could just I don't know how many reps I, he's been getting with the starters in normal training camp. If they're saying they're going in and he's going to get a full rep of starters this week, and he's the starter next week. I just think it's still we haven't seen enough to warrant him being in when you don't necessarily need to win these games like we mentioned last week yeah. I don't think the Dolphins are in a position where they, they really need to try and win the division you know it is a, a weird one what I would say is I think if you're going to do it then you've got to do it you've got to announce it early you don't want it to be like a game day rock up two is going to be or like the day before a game be like actually two is going to start tomorrow because that put heaps a whole load of pressure on if you've got like Stan said if you've got that bye week then that decision is less under the spotlight and it's got a bit more time to to run. I think the other the flip side of it is um like the offense for the Jets game, you know, I did sort of feel like the Dolphins got up 
21 nothing early doors and then just sort of like, well, this will do us. And the offence didn't look good for the rest of the game. Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. didn't look very good for the rest of the game. He had one of his poor games. Um, and, you know, I guess it's one of those where, you know, we've been, we've talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick a lot, but his play has been up and down. Um, and maybe it was just a case of, you know what, we're going to go with someone who we think may, we might get a bit more sort of consistency out of. I don't know if it's necessarily anything to do with Fitzpatrick himself. I think, like Joe said, they're not in a position where they need to win games. There's not on pressure to make the playoffs. So I don't know if it's because, look, we've got this the rest of this season. We're playing pretty decent. The defense has been good. Tua doesn't have to be fantastic for us to win games, and any games he does win is a bonus. And also, the slightly cynical side of me was thinking, the Texans are going to end up with a top five pick if they keep playing like they are. Maybe they see, right, we don't actually have what we thought we had here in Tua. There's a chance we could get, I know, one of these top three quarterbacks next year ooh, if he doesn't ooh. perform. I don't know. I, that's a pretty juicy take. I, wouldn't, I don't think anyone's expecting that, especially at this stage. I don't think they plan that far ahead. And also, I don't think it's enough time to give Tua in this situation where you've had a short uh, off-season to prepare, uh, limited time at the actual facility. Mm. I don't think it's the time to to move on from that, especially when you don't know what you have yet. And I guess this is what they're trying to figure out. What do we have in him in natural game situation? And like yeah. I said, it still doesn't matter if they win games. But I'm not saying they would do that. I'm just saying if the Texans end up with, say, the number three pick and you've got your first round pick, the Texans' first two picks, do you move up to take Trevor Lawrence? Absolutely not. You've got Tua. You're not going to bench him. Like Essentially, he's going to play eight yeah, to nine games of the season, isn't he, after week eight? In the draft class, when you've got phenomenal players like Gregory Rousseau, you've got Panacewell, you've got Jamar Chase, why would you take a quarterback if you've already got one? Mm. It's, it's eight weeks. It's not enough time to see what you've got in a quarterback at all. You need a full season before you can do that. And especially in this, this year's top five, when other teams are going to be going after quarterbacks, take your picks because there are going to be some phenomenal players up there. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. There's another reason for doing it now. Like we said, Tua doesn't need to win. If you end up with a lower... If you end up not being as good as you hope doesn't really matter. There's loads of players up there. Plus, it gets him that experience now rather than yeah. you've got those teething problems next year when you're starting to compete. One thing I did love to see, though, was Ryan Fitzpatrick's uh, reaction to Tua getting on the field. Yeah, what a guy. What a teammate. He was literally he was ecstatic. It was, it was really nice to see uh, a sort of mentor in that relationship, you know, see yeah. almost their son go onto the field and play with the big kids you know it is it has been nice to see that that relationship um from pretty much day one of ryan fitzpatrick being like quite actively and quite quite you know verbally saying how much he wants Tua to succeed and trying to put Tua in the best position which you don't really see quite a lot of in the nfl to be honest, especially the quarterback position where it's you know that guy's going for your job whereas fitzpatrick i think has approached it in a, such a unique way in terms of really being that mentor and like Tua's biggest fan, essentially. I think on the other side as well, Tua can learn so much from Fitzpatrick because he's literally seen it all. He's been around the league. He's played for so many different teams. He's a really smart guy, knows a lot more than, and when, when he's at his best, he's play. he's, you know, having fun. And I think, yeah, him, him seeing. Fitzpatrick knows his role though, doesn't he? He didn't come into this thing like, I'm going to take this team to a championship. He's going to write, right. I'm going to be a basically a cheerleader here. I'm going to up the morale of the whole team 
I'm going to have a fun with a big old beard, and I'm going to get Tua ready to play. Big old beard. He's Joe of the NFL world. He is the Joe of the NFL world. I, th- I think you're right there, Slew, as well, because I think something that we've talked about a lot with the Dolphins and Flores has been like setting that culture. And so many you know, Dolphins players and staff have come out and said how important Fitzpatrick has been to setting that culture of togetherness and, and playing one and, and the effort and the camaraderie in that sort of locker room. So, I mean, I think he understood that that was going to be probably the most important factor of him being part of the Dolphins rather than how we played on the field because obviously we're in a rebuild. It was about how useful he could be in setting that culture. And I think, you know, we've as we've seen throughout the season, that culture looks phenomenal now. Another thing that happened in, you know, week from week six, big matchup last week, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, against the Green Bay Packers. So mm. on opposite ends of the QB spectrum, of course, both legendary quarterbacks there with Tom Brady in his six Super Bowls, uh, Aaron Rodgers, multiple MVP, Super Bowl himself. So coming into this game, I don't think anyone really expected the outcome. I'm not overly concerned about the Packers from the offensive side of the ball. Like, yeah. It's a bad game for Aaron Rodgers, but I think you've got to have enough faith in Rodgers that he's going to turn it around. It's an anomaly. That's I don't think that's happening again. Matt said on our group chat that Rodgers' picks are like London buses. So yeah. I don't think you've got to worry about that from that side of things. What is disturbing, though, is the problem we picked up from the Packers from last season that they didn't address. And it's sort of been... The cracks have been papered over, and that was their run defence. Yeah, so yeah. we spoke this offseason about how it hadn't been addressed. First time that they've really been behind, straight away it's been exposed by the Bucs. They couldn't get back into this game, couldn't get off the field. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I would say on the note of Aaron Rodgers had a bad game, also the Bucks' defense had a good game. Like they're, tur- yeah. they're forcing turnovers in a lot of these situations and genuine good plays. Uh, there's, they're like third string cornerback or something with that interception. Um, Todd Bowles called a great game all around. Yeah. I mean, I I think that was my biggest takeaway from this rather than, you know, I think a lot of people were saying about Rodgers and stuff. For me, it was just, it was an eye-opener as to how possibly underrated or under the radar the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense has been. I think we've said that, you know, it looks like a strong defense, but I think Slew's having a, a smug little smile on him because he's been saying this for a while, but 100% like that defense gave Rodgers problems that he hadn't he hasn't come up against so far this season and particularly that O-line problems mm. that they haven't really had to deal with before. That O-line was one of the best units in football going into this matchup and got Even out Bakhtiari did leave the game though. Bakhtiari left he left the game with a chest injury. They, I think he they expect him to come back at some point, but it definitely visibly hurt them on the field. And yeah. As I said, Todd Bowles called a great game. The Bucks mm. defense really stepped up. And they started how they meant to continue with the game. They start off that first quarter pitting up just a lockdown defence. And that, that just set the momentum for the rest of the game. They found it easy just to go through. And they, they were in Rodgers' head. He threw two picks in a single game, which is something we never thought we'd yeah. see in Aaron Rodgers this season, especially. On the other side as well, the, Tom Brady, a lot of Brady to Gronk action we saw. Um, oh, yeah, which is hella fun. I, I like to see it. If, if I'm going to see it, I want to see it. I mean, everyone was kind of dispelling Gronk. He hadn't t- caught a touchdown in, you know, what, a year and a half, pretty much. You know, it was, it was really fun. I, I thought Brady was very methodical on the day. He took what he could instead of trying to go long a lot, a lot of these passes, which kind of goes against the whole Bruce Arians offense scheme. But um, he did dial up a few big plays further on as the game went on as well. 
So what do you guys think of Brady's performance? I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Joe. He, like, he, it was quite a classic Brady performance in terms of very methodical, take what you're given, less of the sort of risky plays. And I think it's been interesting watching him integrate into that Bruce Arians offense because he is more of a game manager rather than someone who's going to take multiple deep shots and stuff. Um, but again, the situation that he was in, he didn't necessarily have to. Like, yeah. it, The game really suited what Brady's good at in terms of taking the short, safe options, um, and keeping the clock moving, keeping the offense on the field and making the packs have to play from behind. And like I said, great performance. He executed that side of things flawlessly. Yeah. And while we're on the topic of patting ourselves on the back as well, Stan did mention that Brian Villaga would be a big miss for the Packers this season. Against the first really good pass rush they came up against, Rogers was under pressure all day. Yeah, Bakhtiari was out, but Stan, good job on that one. Well done to Stan. Cheers, guys. No, but um, it it was really obvious. Obviously, big credit to the Bucks. It was obviously big credit to the Bucks as well. But it was obvious that they were creating pressure from an early stage in the game. Yeah, and yeah, yeah the loss of Bakhtiari, the loss of Beluga. It they're going to need to find some more answers on that O line. They need to have better depth because a young defense like the Bucks, they shouldn't be causing you that many problems for an experienced offense like the one in Green Bay. Yeah, they've got some players on that Bucks defense. Mm. Um, does Todd Bowles? Did you think he gets another head coaching shot? Now we've seen that the Jets is basically a poison chalice anyway, and <laughs> no one could succeed there. I'm not sure. Not I even think the mighty Adam Gates. I think he's going to need another few successful years in Tampa Bay because obviously he's had he's had an all right start to the season this year. I think he'll he'll stay with Bruce Arians. Obviously, they've got a past relationship from the time in Arizona together. I think he stays with the Bucks for another two seasons or so. Perhaps he gets another shot, but like you said, his uh, stint with the Jets really put really tainted his legacy as a coach. So it'd be interesting to see if he gets another shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's actually been really cool to see Todd Bowles in a position where I think what he's good at coaching wise can shine. I think my opinion of him. Versus when he was head coach of the Jets versus now is, is quite different in terms of I was really impressed with the sort of range of coverages and packages that he was that he's been putting together for the Tampa Bay D this season, the way he's coached up that quite young group into being really strong and, and dominant. Um and I think, yeah, I, I, more more to Slew's point, we've seen that it doesn't really matter who's coaching the Jets right now, they're just bad. It's just a poisonous organization, to be honest. That's why Bill Belichick uh avoided it in the first place <laughs> sorry to say it had to be said <laughs> we have a fan question fellas god get a bit hyped. Uh, yeah i suppose it i suppose uh, a woo. Pub, give me a, a woo, woo doesn't really it doesn't really translate to an audio podcast does it no you can get but a few, if, few if you're watching here. this fans then oh god we're getting mental back here yeah oh, they're, they're hand waving and all sorts Obviously, Stan's got his camera off, so we can't see what he's doing, but we're assuming he's getting involved. Yeah, no, there's, there's pyros going off in my room right now, Joe. It's the same mental. <laughs> you didn't need the flares, Stan. That's a hazard. <laughs> Here's a fan question sent in from us from Nathan Barber. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, um, my question is, what is going wrong with Lamar Jackson this year? Um, if you watch the, the previous game that he played... Lamar Jackson was not throwing that ball, ball well. Yes, he was still the playmaker and he still had a lot of um, movements on the ground, but his actual 
balling, ball, balling out play, the one that he was quite surprising to defences last year, have the defences just covered him with a spy, or do you actually think Lamar Jackson's been overly hyped? If you compare him to, let's say, um, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, they are throwers that can run, and they both showed that on Monday evening. But with Lamar Jackson, you have to say, especially at the start of this season, he's a runner that can throw a little, but he has been missing a lot of very easy targets, and it seems like his decision-making, I don't want to say he's went down, but seems different this year. I think it's a fair question. Thanks for that, Nathan. Uh, very interesting take on that, and I think I'll respond to it first as the resident Ravens fan He's livid. on the podcast. I'm not livid. You you raised some fair points about his, his accuracy, and over the last few two games, I would say, he has shown some uh, weird misses. A lot of those are sidearm throws where he's just overly using this sidearm technique, which he doesn't need to use. He can throw it normally anyway, but he, he just, I don't know if he likes the way it feels, just slinging that out there but it's a lot cool. of those do naturally go awry just because your stance isn't correct and everything like that um, but when you look at the actual performance on the day and I know passing wise it's not an MVP like performance 16 of 27 for 188 and a touchdown no interceptions on the day didn't fumble on the day but on the on the rushing side of things eight carries for 109 yards and a touchdown so I think it's kind of unfair when you say for instance, Allen, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Firstly, no quarterback is going to be Patrick Mahomes. So let's just throw him out of the equation because there's no one that's going to do what he's doing. But Josh Allen, for example, you know, a thrower who can run. Um, I think if, Lamar Jack- if Josh Allen was putting up 109 yards a game, he wouldn't need to throw for 300 yards a game. That's, that's just a matter of fact. And Lamar Jackson can use his legs to do things that other quarterbacks in the league can't do. Why wouldn't he do that? If if he chose to be a, he has chose, shown signs of being a throw first QB in the first few weeks. The first two three weeks, he was staying back in the pocket, only stepping up and you know finding the open receiver, and he looked really good in those first few weeks. He looked like an MVP candidate. We were saying it on the podcast. So, but in the last few weeks, he's had to use his legs a bit more. Uh, things have got a bit more tough, and if he has to use his legs, I'm I'm fine with it. I don't really see an issue for winning games, but I wasn't overly impressed with his performance last week can't think you can say as an offense in in general the second half of that game were, was very bad from us so it'll be interesting to see what you guys think watching that game from the other side as an Eagles fan I was especially after the first half with you being well up I thought we were going to get completely blown out yeah I don't know it's like it's like he couldn't manage the game once you take away Mark Andrews and to some extent, Hollywood Brown. It's, I don't think Lamar trusts his other receivers in the same way. He's like, they're ma- like manufacturing touches for them on sweeps and stuff. And they were effective at times. But That's just the Greg Roman offense, though. That's, that's what he does. He always has someone in motion because it can either be a run or a play-action pass. No, but the point was that he wasn't hitting the other receivers consistently when he needed to. And yeah. to be honest, the reason they were so high up in the first half... There was one great play from Lamar Jackson on the long touchdown run that was a great design, beautifully executed. Can't take anything away from that. But the first half was more down to the Eagles' inadequacies than anything necessarily positive that the Ravens were doing. The defense of the Ravens were very good in the first half. And they, they got, you know, they had... All right. But that, that, first of all, there were a couple of drops that should have, especially on the first drive, that changed the game. Oh, the first but, Greg Ward drop. No, that was um, 
Hightower. But either way, I've got the problem isn't necessarily with the defense. The um the Ravens offense didn't particularly do anything to earn that lead. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because they've gone away a little bit from the option games, trying to make Lamar a bit more of a passer. He is a great passer when he's when he's comfortable. I don't know if he's felt uncomfortable by the rush at times, but I didn't it's look way at too him. Deeper drop as well. That's another thing that I've noticed. He he does drop really far back on a lot of these. Um and I think he does that because he's you know he's agile and he, he's quick and he can sort of step into it quite quickly. But hmm. sometimes it puts him in some weird positions where if he gets sacked, like he's lost like fifteen yards on a play. Hmm. And we gave away a lot of stupid penalties in that the game penalties, as well. I was going to say as well, especially in that second half. But the point is, even yeah. when he was escaping a lot of the times, he was only getting two or three yards, whereas previously he was hitting bigger yards. I mean, there, there was, was that one thirty-five yard touchdown that wasn't a design run where he just escaped and. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I just felt we saw it more consistently from him last year. But in last year, he was more inclined to run, whereas now I do think he's making the conscious effort. I don't know if it's a coaching thing to, you know, um, just naturally pass the ball more. Don't don't look for, you know, second option to be run when you can you know, read three options, then mm. maybe run. And that's, I think, good for his own growth as a player because he's not always going to be able to use his legs. That's the, yeah. the, the, but that is the part that makes him dangerous. I know. That, what separates him from everyone else. For now, yeah, he, he wasn't drafted because of his arm. He wasn't drafted because of his accuracy. He was drafted as a project player in the end of the first round. And primarily at Louisville, he was a running quarterback. Like, obviously, in the question, it was made. He still threw for like 3,800 yards and 30 touchdowns. I don't think he can't. I think stats are really relevant. What makes him fantastic is his ability as a runner that no one else, I'd say, on the football field, maybe accepting yeah. Alvin Kamara can but match. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He's So lean into that. Don't try and make him a passer that can run. Make him a runner that can pass. So that's what it's going to be. And that, that's what Greg Roman's done really well is sort of tailor his offense to what Lamar Jackson does best. And at the start of the season, they changed things up a bit. We saw that Lamar Jackson, obviously, he was staying in the pocket more. He was taking more deep shots and moving away from the run. Mm-hmm. And that could only last so long before... He got exposed for not being the quality passer that you need to be to run that sort of style of offense. Though. That's the thing. No, exposed is a bit harsh, but I think the fact is that when teams were selling out to stop the run, it opens up those bigger windows on the deep pass. It makes it makes um, Mark exactly. Andrews an incredible threat yeah. down the seam. So he when our Hollywood accurate. incredible threat, but, that's but what when I mean. we were able to stop the running game, which we were able to do pretty consistently, even though we've got no linebackers, and yes, our D line's good, but it's not the best defense in the league far from it we were able to slow down that running game and it meant that the deep shots weren't there as much that's what i mean though their entire offense revolves around the run and then when he needs to pass he's not as able to do it as other quarterbacks in the league like he's touted as one of the best quarterbacks in the league but that's a quarterback exactly it's only because of his legs but there's a common not only because of his legs you can't say only if you take it right, if you take, like, look at Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, you take away Kyler Murray's legs and you take away Lamar Jackson's legs. Oh, why do you always bring everything back to Kyler Murray? Stuff? He loves it's Kyler Murray. Really I love Kyler Murray. Conversation about the Cardinals. So, <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's, it's relevant though. It's completely yeah. relevant. The fact that Lamar Jackson is a running quarterback, but that's who he is as a player. And the only reason I bring Kyler Murray into it is because he's also a quarterback that can run. But oh. what stands out for Kyler Murray more than anything is his touch, his deep ball. The, the zip he throws the ball with and the accuracy more than anything. Like Lamar Jackson doesn't have that to his game and that's what he's going to need to add to his game if he wants he to. I would say his mechanics were right, it, but I think Joe's bang on about the sidearm. He was sidearming when he didn't need to and it yeah. just... He did it a bunch of times. He's yeah, not a 
like those sidearms are just stupid. I think he just needs to stop. Like a casual sidearm if someone's right in front of you, fair enough. But don't don't do it. Like he had a nice one yeah. to Nick Boyle for that touchdown as well. But other than that, like but Nick Boyle was wide open, and that was know, a good, that was that, that was, was a great just, play, and it was a five yard pass. I mean, let's. But but that was when Lamar was at his best. He he created something out of the pocket and was able to dump it off. Yeah, I know, and that in that sense, like I'm not saying like. He's not. I'm not saying he's like the world's best quarterback without his legs. I'm saying, why a bit like Slew was saying, like we have his legs. Don't pretend like you know he's not the fastest man on the field every play when he is. Like he's legless. Yeah. Is this part of the issue? Why I don't know that you struggle in games you get behind in. We saw it at the Chiefs. We saw it last yeah. year in the playoffs of the Titans. I don't know if he gets skittish and he because we've we've all seen that he can throw. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. It just seems weird that some games it's just off with him. No, I think it's it's like, it's like you said. If our running game's going well, then our throwing game's going well. In that sense, we're kind of like the Tennessee Titans, you know. Um, you the Ravens have, have to, to start establish. The game. Yeah, and we have so many running backs in rotation there. You know, Ingram, um, Dobbins, and Gus Edwards are all getting licks at running back and all getting touchdowns as well. Um, so when you revolve around the run that much how are you not expecting Lamar to you know get some opportunities to run you, you, you yeah. can't really expect him to be back and be a pocket passer when the whole game design is like run it down their throats it may you know and the the Eagles were good against the run especially in the second half of the last game mm. um, and when we got up that was just simply because we were we were running uh, a and lot to be the- fair I think the end scoreline is very flattering to the Eagles there was a dropped pick from is it Elliot your free safety there was the very, very iffy oh, the, the, PI call. But those were on two oh, consecutive... white side. That touchdown annoyed me so much. But, Miles Sanders ran left. Oh, yeah. Well, that one is, that one as that well. Was, but the oh. point is, that's two, two and a half touchdowns that were somewhat fortunate for the Eagles. Yeah, you can say there were the two. There was the dropped pass by Miles Sanders. There was a dropped pass by Hightower that bring them back. But the point is... I don't think it was as close as the scoreline suggests. Like the Ravens were in control of this game the whole way through, but they uh, they did almost let them back in at the end. Though it's two it weeks in a row that the Eagles yeah. have done that against the Steelers. They did it. They kind of kept it close until near the end, where Claypool kind of secured that touchdown, and then they did it again with the Ravens. We had no right to let you guys that come that close, considering how we're supposed to be. Um, well, considering know. how good your pass rush is supposed to be, and we had one starting lineman. Our pass rush was very good, though. We got six sacks. Kalaris Campbell got three. I know, but I don't know how. I don't know how Wentz like didn't end up dead from the game. Like most of those were in the first quarter, first half. I don't know no, what happened. We also got like a lot of QB hits though as well. So I would I wouldn't say it was our pass rush's fault. Um, it was Marcus Peters a lot of the time. I'm sorry, he's oh, great. He's you great. No, I was wondering he, if you bring great, it up. But this is the thing. He relies so much on this doing the opposite of what the quarterback is doing that. On a lot of those, two, in two of those two point plays, he's with the two ones you scored where Marcus Peters is just completely either like he, he went in when you guys were doing that stunt, um, as sort of like the crisscross and getting the guy wide open. He is went the one in to intercept the it. Scored? Yeah, he went in to intercept it, and it just meant that your uh, Fulgham or whatever could just you know block him like he was supposed to anyway. Um, and he did something similar where he just completely whiffed on a coverage. He's like looking to intercept the ball every time. Um, make yeah, but you play. know that's what you're going to get with. But why are you doing that on a two-point conversion? <laughs> like you don't need to take it to the house. Because that's how he plays, though. It's, I mean, for me, it's a similar situation to like you, David with, Howard. 
yeah, you with Peters and Humphrey is the same sort of thing as we have with the Finns with Byron Jones and Javon Howard, right? Javon Howard is the one where you accept he's probably going to give up, um, you know, a decent amount of yardage, but he is going to also come up with some picks that only he can make. Whereas on the other side, you've got Byron Jones, who's not going to, you know, fill the stat sheet in terms of turnovers, but he is going to do a good job of blanketing and neutralizing one receiver. Um, so, I mean, to a certain extent, like, you kind of want Mark, Marcus Peters doing that sort of stuff because, yes, sometimes it's not going to work like it did like it didn't this week, but sometimes it is going to be no. the, the, where he picks it off and makes a play and everyone's like, oh, my God, what an amazing read by Marcus Peters, right? So you kind of have to live with it. Yeah. The good stuff. The thing is, though, I don't understand why we kept him on Fulgham that entire game. I was watching it back and I was like, why? he All the big plays to Fulgham, Marcus Peters is covering him pretty much. Um and but then is Fulgham someone that you... That, but Jimmy uh, Smith was covering Fulgham perfectly fine throughout the game and we kept changing it up and it's like, just keep Jimmy Smith on Fulgham. He's, he's obviously locking him down, but yeah. Nah, mate, Fulgham's an elite talent. He actually looks very good and it's very weird to see. Does he look very good or did was. the Eagles just have literally no one else? He did the same against the Steelers and we both got good defenses. Yeah, yeah. he's going against like number one, number two, two corners each time. So... Yeah. I think he'd be playing if, if you had less injuries. I hope he will. I think, I think he should be, the way he's playing right now. Anyway, um, let's move on, fellas, to our drop-back game of the week. We've got the Tennessee Titans sitting at 4-0 and against the Pittsburgh Steelers at 5-0. and Both leaders in their respective divisions coming up to a clash. Um, Lossless teams, flawless teams, some might say. What do you guys think? Who, who have you guys got on this one? i got the Titans taking the win in this one, purely because the Steelers' offense hasn't looked particularly potent to me in terms of high-scoring ability. Whereas Claypool, we've seen what... Claypool, Claypool's only one guy, but when you look at on the other side of the, on the, other side of the pitch, you've got the Titans. You've got the Derrick Henry-led offense. You've got Ryan Tannehill, who's having a phenomenal season. He's doing everything he needs to do within that Arthur Smith offense. AJ Brown. Exactly, AJ Brown. You got Adam Humphreys back Johnny as well. Smith. Johnny Smith. Yeah, I'm just saying there's a lot of talent on that offense. They've the got time. so much more potential to be a higher scoring team than the Steelers. That's definitely one take. I would, I would go in and say one thing is. Well done, Stan. It definitely is of you. <laughs> well done. <laughs> oh, he's you trying. contributed. On that note of what you were saying, Stan, I think one thing you can't ignore from last week is that James Connor had another. Uh, uh, well. Uh, the first big performance of the season. Maybe he's warming up. Claypool, you can't ignore. 100, over 140 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I think the Steelers have got more on, on the offense than maybe you're suggesting from what you said. Uh, but the Titans offense just looks ridiculous. Like like you mentioned, Derek Henry, uh, an amazing 200-yard performance last week. Um, and coming off that weird situation with the whole COVID, and we went into it last week with Nat Coombs, They've been on a roll coming out of that, I think, so far. And I'd be, I mean, I think I'd probably have the Titans, especially given how the Steelers played the Eagles a few weeks back. Um, last week, sorry. It's going to be closer than you think. Also, I think, I think you need to take Derek Henry's performance last year, uh, last week, is a whole different ball game going against the Houston Texans run defense yeah. to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, left, lost Devin Bush, who is a big loss, but. That Steelers defense has been Even pretty good. dominant all season. Yeah, Cam Hayward and Stefan to it like last Sunday. They looked phenomenal. Yeah, the, the stunts they were running were amazing. 
And TJ Watt on the outside is amazing yeah. as well. And also, if we just look at the um, the Titans' defense as well, a couple of weeks ago on Tuesday Night Football when they're playing against the Bills, they looked phenomenal. That was the best, one of the best defensive performances I've seen all year. They played fast. They they were they were all playing as ball hawks. They're always making the correct plays. They're always where they need to be at the right time. Obviously, that wasn't exactly the same against the Texans because they had a couple of DBs that got banged up. Obviously, their pass rush is pretty non-existent. But in terms of the secondary and the linebacking core, they're looking pretty good. Mm. Minka with the redemption as well last week. Yeah. Well, that was that was more of a dodgy read from Baker more than anything. Yeah, no, but it was a nice, nice little run after in for run after for the pick six. I know Matt loves to see that. Hiss, hiss, hiss. Matt, who who do who have you got? I'm really struggling with this one to be honest. Um, I kind of want to go with the Titans because I like I'm a massive fan of how they played last week. I think Derek Henry absolutely put the team on his back, especially late in the game. Um, and I think Ryan Tannehill's performance was also fantastic and sort of flew a little bit under the radar. Obviously, Derek Henry rightly so grabbed all the headlines with his stats and you know his general hard, that sort of aggressive, big man rolling style of running that he does is very eye-catching and, and makes the highlight reels. But Ryan Tannehill was, was quietly very efficient, um, especially orchestrating that... that um, drive to take the game to overtime looked really impressive um and i just think in i think in general they've actually got a very balanced offense i know everybody says you know it's the derrick henry show and you know there have been times where it has been all about derrick henry but i think this season especially they've looked more balanced in terms of having those other options and allowing ryan Tannehill to pass the ball a little bit more setting him up in winning situations with the play action obviously with using using henry's you know, being Henry being on the field, but letting Ryan Tannehill throw the ball as well, and, and that's a side of their game which has redeveloped from last season, and it sort of makes for that really interesting matchup with the Steelers secondary. I I, I find with the Steelers, yes, James Connor looked good last week. It hasn't been a particularly regular occurrence. I think it's fair to say though this season, everyone's really enjoyed obviously the the Claypool coming out and being, you know, we love that story of count, a down and out player coming and, and making a name for himself out of nowhere, right? But I think the fact of the matter second is... round pick. <laughs> down yeah, and out player. Like, he was a star at Notre Dame. <laughs> well, not like down and out player, but you, you know what I mean? Like, as in someone who you didn't the expect... Emergence of a star. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think other than that, is, I'm, I've not been hugely impressed with the other pieces in that offense, personally. Vince Washington had a nice week last last week establishing himself as a little bit of a deep threat maybe open it up for Claypool true true but uh, I mean I think Deontay Johnson has you know he's really struggled to stay on the field yeah. and doesn't look as you know as the same sort of player that we saw last year um I just I just think all round Tennessee strikes me as a bit more of a balanced team I, I prefer the look of their offense through the early part of this season I think ultimately Yes, they, the Steelers have got a great defense, but I think this is going to be quite an interesting challenge, and I think Tennessee will just about edge it. And the Tennessee defense ain't no joke either. It's oh, the Tennessee de- defense is good, hundred percent. Hella good. Apart from their pass rush. Apart from their yeah, pass, they're rush. very good in 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 the red zone and stopping you scoring in the red zone. That's what they're particularly great at uh, when I've seen them. On note of just what you said about you know Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. With Derrick Henry, they seem to be. You know, like we said last week, is more of a volume thing. If he breaks it, he breaks it. But he's going to run the same pace all four quarters of the game. So you basically just have to count that. You know, he might just get three yards of carry each time you give him the ball. 
or he's going to break one for 94 yards. You literally don't know with him. I think it means, you have to keep, it means you have to keep playing honest. It's why their yeah. PA game is so so successful because you can't, you know, oh, he's not running it. We'll be able to stop him. Let's sit back and wait for the ball over the top. And that is something that has actually challenged the Steelers' defense a little bit. We saw it against the Giants and the Eagles as well, that on play action, they can bite down a little bit too hard mm. and leave themselves a bit open at the back. Also with Henry, I feel like it's very much a war of attrition with him as well. Like, yes, he might carve out, you know, his first 15 carries might be three yards a pop, but yeah. what it takes for the for defenders to, to come up and make that tackle on such a physical player is going to, it sort of opens a door for later on in, in the um, game. We talk about people having to make business decisions, right, when tackling Derrick Henry, like, He's able to keep going, but the yeah. impact of having to stop him really wears a defense down. I don't know how he does it, though. I don't know how he goes 100% on every play for that much volume in the, in the game. Hmm. Moving on to Slu, got some hot, juicy game picks for us this week based on how we did last week. Uh, our week I've got some hot, juicy game picks that I'm going to tell you how we all did. I don't know how is your picks, Slu? <laughs> Right, so it was the worst week for all of us this year. Joe oh, was the only it. one that broke 500. Yeah. But finished at but... 500. So even on a bad week, we're still not got a losing record. So yeah. it affects the season standings thusly. Can we, wait, wait, wait. Can we say what the weekly scores were first? Yeah, absolutely. Everyone was at seven and seven. Joe was at eight and six. Really Whoa! exciting stuff. Yeah, you love to see it. Fucking shit. All it does. Matt's a little bit further adrift at the bottom, 56, 34, and 1. That's bullshit. And then it's Joe, 58, 32, and 1. Stan, 59, 31, and 1. And myself at 60, 30, and 1. I told you I'm coming for you, though. So there's only four points between first and last. That's not too bad, considering, like, I thought I completely bossed it, but at at least the rest of you guys bought it, too. So I'm still safe in second for now. We're all bottleless gibbs. You're not safe. You're one win behind in second. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. Don't use that in... word safe around me. I'm but... one win from going what, to first What a place. horrible thing to hear. Yeah, that's, that's awful. I'm going to have to... <laughs> bad. That, that might have to get edited out because that is just horrible. <laughs> it's, oh, it's only bad once you attach something bad to it. God, I meant it honestly. No, I <laughs> meant it honestly. Honestly, I you're not coming safe. For you both. I'm coming for you both, Slew. Slew and Stan. Coming that also you. sounds ominous, but... We'll let it slide. Fine. I mean, that, that was a bit more in context. I'm all right well, with that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to sleep tonight now. Knowing that Joe's coming for you. Scary Joe is coming for you. This is horrible. All right. Can we wrap this up? Because I need to go just cry somewhere now following that. And that is enough for one more week of The Dropback. You can catch us on Instagram at The Dropback, on Twitter at The Dropback, on Facebook at The Dropback UK. You can look up our articles and keep up with our game picks on thedropback.com or .co.uk. We're also very close to 1,000 followers, so go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram if you haven't already. I've been your host, Joe. I've been Sam. I've been Matt. I've been Stan. And that was enough for one week. Peace. See you later. The Dropback with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns-Peak, Joe Costanzo and Sam Wilson.
thanks for the li- did you say thanks for listening? Thanks for listening. <laughs>